there. There was so much activity, the Holy Spirit moving and um, manifesting and visiting. So 400 years, remember, 400 years since Malachi, and all of a sudden now God shows up. And uh, and so anybody had anything, questions that you wanted to just touch base on, uh, discuss and just... And um, if not, just chew on your food and wait. No hurries, no worries. Lots of great questions last week. Hey, sister. Uh, Lots of great questions last week at the end. And I understand, you know, that you, you have to go, especially with the babies and children. And a lot of folks are sick this week. Some are getting relapses. Yeah, so so praise the Lord. It's allergies and ragweed and, and uh, mold and all that's up and high. And, and uh, still no word on the visas, Amy? No? Okay, we're praying about that. Girls have made spaghetti. Uh, pastor made spaghetti in a white shirt and never got a bit of tomato sauce on it. That's very much a miracle. Yes, sir, James. Oh no! You're just saying, yeah, yeah. That was that was great. I, I just I just took it easy, and and um, those big crock pots help out a lot. And um, so wasn't too hard. Just boil noodles, make tomato sauce, and here we go. But thank you, and uh, and hopefully you enjoyed the spaghetti. Thank you for the servers every week. I have one more week, and probably need some servers. Anybody want to volunteer to serve next week? Anybody? Okay, well, I'll call somebody. But um, question, you'll serve next week? Mickey, I'll get somebody to help you. We'll get, we'll get somebody to serve next week. The last week, next week. Any questions so far about uh, not even, not, even the first lesson was a whole lot of information. We went through all the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, uh, the, just uh, all kinds of things, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. Uh, the the high priest, Caiaphas, uh, everybody, all of that was to set in motion things that had to come all before Jesus was here. Pilate, right? Pontius Pilate, Roman authorities, Roman road, the language of, of um, Aramaic. Remember the what was it? Uh, three languages? Aramaic. What's the other two? Hebrew and. Greek, those are the three, three languages. All of that stuff seemed to be insignificant, like really, Pastor Why we're talking about all this. But if you don't know that, the Lord was uh, providentially creating, uh, setting the stage, right? Creating the environment for the gospel to be preached and for everybody to know the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, so an astonishing factor too, and maybe this will maybe get your mind thinking and, and rolling, but it was, it was very awesome to me that Mary and Joseph knew the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, the law, right? Say Hebrew Bible, it's the Old Testament. Very familiar with the laws, very familiar with uh, the Jews were very familiar and devout Jews. And how many, how many festivals or feasts was it that a good Jew would be uh, called to take part in uh, every year? Three. Three. Pentecost, right? Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths, right? 
So, uh, so those, those feasts were very, very important to Jewish people. So we saw that uh, Joseph and Mary um, found their way. Why did they go to, uh, to Bethlehem? Their family was from, but there was an order, a decree. The census, uh-huh, the census, the king ordered uh, the decree. Everybody has to go to their hometown and pay taxes and be taxed and to make sure they knew account of all of these people, especially these Jewish people, right? Rome, Rome's, uh, they wanted all of it. And Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, Right? And they were making sure they got their stuff. Talked about tax collectors. And uh, so we're not going to have a whole lot of time tonight to talk about John. But while you're eating, let me just deal with John a little bit, okay? Because we dealt with John and supernatural, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit. He leaped in, in uh, Elizabeth's belly, right? And, uh, and that was the Holy Spirit recognizing the Messiah. The baby recognized the Messiah, Later on, when Jesus begins to call the 12, calls Andrew. Andrew tells his brother Peter, hey, Eureka, I have found the Messiah. There's, there's a grown man getting excited about the Messiah. They've been waiting on Messiah, what, thousand years, right, or more, and so been prophesied. And so here, John the Baptist is, is saying, Eureka, there's Jesus right there. All Mary said was, hi, Elizabeth. And John says, it's him. It's him. I, I tell you, that blew my mind because even an unborn baby, how I many know oh, you are made of Holy Spirit? Spiritually, that unborn baby knew his spirit, John the Baptist spirit, right? Mary, Elizabeth, Joseph, Zechariah. And Anna, Simeon, all of these people had encounters with the Holy Spirit. And Simeon had several encounters, right? The prophesied word of God that, that he would stay alive until the Messiah comes. Wow, that's big. How many of you ever heard somebody say, I'm going to be living. The Lord said, I'll be living when the rapture comes. How many ever heard somebody say that? I've heard several old-time pastors and friends say that they will be alive when the rapture comes. Of course, they died. The rapture didn't come. Uh, but they went. Here's what you need to know. Either he's going to come before you die, or you're going to die before he comes. That's worth coming to the Bible study for right there. Either way. You think everybody's here? Should we get started? Or you think, a little wait about five more minutes. Anybody else have any questions? <coughs> Excuse me. Anybody else have any questions? Excuse me, does anybody else have any questions? No. Maybe you heard it better on that one. Um, so it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot of uh, supernatural activity, a lot of visits. And the shepherds, remember, they got a visit. And not only just one angel, but a whole host of angels singing glory to God in the highest. Doesn't it change the narrative for Christmas? How many had a different picture, a bigger idea about the nativity and Christmas. This Christmas should be a whole lot uh, more uh, understanding for you by looking at the life of Christ and honing in on his birth, checking it out, and uh, hopefully you grab some things as you're reading. Anybody reading? Anybody read to chapter 4 of Luke? Anybody? 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're all, we're trying to go all the way to the poor poor chapter Luke tonight as Jesus deals with temptation. So, so <coughs> any questions? Not on the text or the things that we talked about. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And his brother, uh, they, they were, and that's, and they were Sadducees, you see, and they were appointed by Rome as high priests in partnership with Rome. And, and so, and that's why I believe Herod, uh, you know, Jesus, we're going to talk about a little bit today. Jesus lived, grew up and all of his life knew no sin. The sinless life of Jesus. Can I tell you, just as, 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 as massive and as important in the nativity that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, that is crucial to Christianity. Right? It's crucial. So is his sinless life. So is his sinless life. And, and, and when he goes to trial, uh, Kathy just made me think of it, uh, several people testify. Pilate... I see that no fault in this man, right? Herod, I'm sending him to Pilate. I see, I wash, you know, Pilate said, I wash my hands. There's no fault in it. He was, he was, he was sinless. And that is absolutely major important. The second part of the gospel, his virgin birth, his sinless life. And then the next part is the miracles, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his exaltation. That's eight parts of what we know of as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so the life of Christ. Hey, there's sp- plenty of spaghetti, bro. I don't know if y'all ate already, Bronson, but you're certainly welcome, unless you're allergic to spaghetti. <laughs> Your lady said she wasn't going to make it, I think, right? No, I don't care. So, yes. She went by herself. Yes, she did. All the way to Elizabeth's. I'm sorry, babe. Servants? I don't know. I think I think she went by herself. The, te- the text didn't say. But um, she went straight there. So I don't know how much time she had to get a caravan of women or uh, servants, as Chrissy just suggested. But I think uh, the text tells us when she got word, bailed out. And and because the Holy Spirit, the angel, had told her that her cousin Elizabeth was six months pregnant. And so so another thing I got out of all of the narratives and the angelic uh, voices. Hey, these are voices that haven't been spoken in 400 years. Right? There's been no word, no dialogue between God supernaturally and the people, Israel, in 400 years. Now there's all kinds of things happening. So when you go back and read the narrative, I want you to read the dialogue between the angelic uh, visit, the angel Gabriel and or Mary, the angel and Joseph, the angel and Zechariah. Right? Check it out and you'll see the information given Everything they needed to know. This is pretty amazing to me. Everything they needed to know, all the details, they were given 
in that dialogue. How many know God doesn't leave anything out? Come on now, how many believe God knows? God knows, and I want you to catch this throughout this study. God knows, and he's not trying to keep the information from us. Okay? He's not trying to keep the information from us, but we need to be listening because God does a lot of talking. So last week was really tough because there was a lot of stuff to cover, and it was just, it's, we only got an hour or so, so we're just whoo, pouring it out. But uh, also, I think it was a lot of information and tough to cover because it was a lot of supernatural activity in the first year. But then there are going to be silence for 18 years until we come up to today, right, where Jesus is going to be baptized. Then we'll hear another voice from heaven. Um, what other voice do we hear just before Jesus is baptized? Let me say, what other prophetic voice do we hear just before Jesus is baptized? John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He's a prophet after the likes of Elijah. Right? Who came as one crying, a voice, that's all it gives, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. So in the prophecy Isaiah gave, he said, there will be one coming. All it causes, it doesn't say John the Baptist. It just says, uh, one's coming. It's a voice who's going to be crying out in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord, right? Messiah is coming. So that's John. We don't have time tonight. Uh, but boy, if you dig into Luke chapter 3 and dig into John, you'll see a lot of details about John. Yes. Deckard, uh, Carol Deckard. Well, hey, uh, well, last week we said when an angel came, what did we say most of the time was the, was the reason prior to these visits? To come and announce what? Judgment. Judgment. So that's why they were concerned and afraid. What is an angel from heaven coming to talk to me about? I'm a 16-year-old girl, right, or a 17-year-old boy. So these are angelic visits. And, and I think, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like this. You remember when, you remember when, uh, when Paul was in the storm and, and took, took and tore the boat up and they, and they drifted ashore on driftwood and an angel of the Lord came on the boat and said this night, Hey Paul, this night, this ship is going to be torn to smithereens, but take no fear, no fear. Everybody's going to survive. Right? Well, let me just tell you how Ron Moran would respond in that kind of situation. <laughs> okay? <laughs> We're throwing tackle over the side. We're throwing everything out of the boat. We're going down. We're about to hit the rocks. Our life is at, at risk, high risk. <laughs> if I saw an angel, Jamie, I would grab a hold of both of his ankles if he has any. And I would say, you're not going anywhere until we all get safely to the shore, okay? That's how I would do it. But that's not how it happened in the Bible. So you write your own Bible, right? <laughs> yes, ma'am. 
Absolutely. He is a speaking God. I know. Melissa says all the time, God's got a lot to say, but we never stop to listen. And, uh, and so here God interrupts the darkness of the night, speaks to shepherds. He goes, and you know, Elizabeth, I thought it was pretty neat. As you're reading these, just two chapters, the first two chapters of the, of the gospel, right? And as you're reading it, sometimes if you look at it, you're trying to see, wow, we jump from Elizabeth being six months pregnant, right? And, and, and six months goes by and we don't, we don't see the chronological order of things. And so we're like, whoa. And then we went from here and we we're already over there. And by chapter four, <laughs> Jesus is baptized and heading to the wilderness led by the Holy Spirit. So, so as you're doing this study, I hope that you're trying to find the gaps. What I'm doing is I'm trying to find the gaps so that I can make sense how much time went by. So it's one year's worth of time. That's how much. Takes nine months to have a baby, right? So from the time of the announcement, right, to the time uh, of the birth, that's nine months at least. Come on, (coughs) y'all. Almost a year, right? And so what happened last week? What was the last thing that happened before we left? Did anybody sleep since last week? The wise men, and then what happened? What was the last thing that I, I said we'll talk about first thing this time? Herod got word that there's going to be this baby born, right? And, uh, and so the angel of the Lord appeared again. Isn't that awesome? To Joseph and said, hey, take the child and marry and do what? Go to Egypt. Was that significant, everybody? Was that prophetic? James, tell them why it was prophetic. Harry, well, yeah, that, yeah, that was why for sure, but it was prophesied. It was prophesied, right? That God said that, uh, this, this Messiah would come out of Egypt just as, uh, as the, the Moses came out of Egypt, right? Jesus is a type of that. So Jesus, uh, uh, I just want you to catch this because nothing happened in the narrative that wasn't prophetic. Nothing happened that wasn't supposed to happen. So it wasn't Herod bullying to get them to go to Egypt. It was God's providential. How many understand God has a plan? So that the word of God stays true, the integrity of the word of God is true, that Jesus had to go to Egypt and come back to Nazareth. Okay, so yes, Herod did threaten. Yes, the angel told him to go, but that wasn't the first time that we hear of that because the text says so. Why don't we just look at it? <coughs> uh, verse 39 of chapter 2 of Luke. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, I can stop right there. They went to Simeon and Anna to what? Fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, right? That's what the Jews did. After 40 days, she was purified. Eight days, they brought the baby to be um, dedicated, given to the Lord, and make the sacrifice. So when they'd done all of these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So, so before that, though, 
um, they, <laughs> they were, so, so Luke do, doesn't even mention it. Go to Matthew because Luke doesn't mention it. Matthew mentions the fact that they went to Egypt. Are you, are you, are you hearing me? So uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. So there you go again. The Lord wasn't just saying, go to Egypt, hope you find out when you come back. How many believe the angel told him when to come back? Right, there it is right there. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night there you go, and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be, look at that next line, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt I called my son. You see that? So I just wanted to say that uh, in passing as we start tonight just to let you know they didn't just fly to Egypt and back. Accidental. How many know there's no accidental trips the Lord was ordering their steps. Everybody with us so far? So do we want to sing or do we run right, right into this thing? Huh? Let's, uh, who wants to sing or who wants to get right into the Word of God? Right into the Word of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going digging into the Word of God. Forget it. We'll sing at the end if we have time. <clears throat> so uh, when they had performed all things according to the law, they returned to Galilee and the child grew and became strong in spirit. Uh, back to Luke chapter 2. Filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon them. Luke 2, 39 through 40. So, so this is the, the journey. Uh, I don't know. Somebody asked a question, I think, uh, last week at the end. How old was Jesus when they got back? So the Bible doesn't give a whole lot of information, right? Doesn't say anything until he's 12 years old in the temple, which is where we're going next. But uh, let's just stay with it. Jesus at the temple, Jesus' baptism, and Jesus' temptation. That's what we're going to try to do today. Um, but uh, next slide, please. Uh, uh, I, I tried to get you to ask questions before we move, but you didn't. You, you asked one or two. So any other ones before we move forward? Yes, ma'am. You were in the kitchen. Somebody had just talked about that. <laughs> Excuse me. You mean hurried to go to, to, to uh, Elizabeth's? Well, the angel told her Elizabeth was six months pregnant, and that was her first cousin. Another thing we don't think about uh, is that we got relationships going on. We don't read the text. We don't read the text as though uh, they are truly family. And mentioned it a little bit last week. I told you about Olivia and Chrissy, first cousins and very tight. They talk about everything. So here is a young girl, 16, told she's pregnant without ever knowing anyone. Are you all with me? Without ever, never having um, been with anyone. And so she's uh, uh, taken back by it. She ponders it in her heart. She says, let it be unto me, according to you know, your word, she runs straight over there. So the, the answer, sister, is that she wanted to talk to somebody about this that she couldn't even talk to Joseph about. So it's a very personal. How many ever had the Lord speak something to you and you pondered it in your heart you couldn't talk to anybody about it? Okay, so she wanted to get to Elizabeth because the angel kind of almost led her that way. Okay, that help? Yeah. <coughs> All right. So let's keep <clears throat> keep on trucking. 
So now uh, we're back in Luke chapter 2, and uh, we're going we're gonna to take off. They went to Nazareth, and uh, that's where the baby is growing. Jesus, uh, we, we had the question. I thought maybe if he was two, why did I pick the, the age two if he was two when they left? Because Herod killed all the kids two and under, so he's around, he's around that age. That's what we're speculating, but that makes sense. How many, how many say it makes sense to you? Okay, so at two, he goes to Egypt. He's in Egypt. How many thinks by chance, by chance, we don't see it in the text, they had family over there? Friends? Possibly somebody. If the Lord's going to send them, how many know the Lord's going to provide for them? So it is possible they didn't just take off on a trek. It's a good question Serena had, though. Did this lady go by herself? Uh, and then Christy said, maybe a servant with, with her, right? Uh, but remember, it's very private, very personal. So she couldn't tell anybody. So my, my, uh, my thinking, Serena, she went by herself to Elizabeth's. But it was Mary and Joseph and the baby who went to Egypt. Who'd they stay with? Where'd they stay? I don't know. How long did they stay? Possibly they came back. We know when Herod died. So we can, we can take Herod's death date and see how long it was before uh, he died and that date. And then he comes back. It could be five, six years old. Jesus could have come back with Mary and Joseph, five, six years old. They might have been there a couple of years. Who knows? Does anybody have any uh, idea? Yeah. But it was after the death of Herod. When Herod dies, the angel said, I will give you word, you can bring the child back. Okay? So we don't have a specific five, six, seven. We don't know. And we don't hear anything in the text until he's 12. Well, let's go there. Any other thoughts and comments? Let's go to, to um, Luke chapter 2 and, and get into uh, Jesus going with his parents. So what's happening here? Uh, chapter two, and the family returns to Nazareth. Uh, to Nazareth, and verse forty-one, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. So, what does that tell you? It tells you that these people had faith in Yahweh. They love God, they serve God, and they went. A lot of times, ladies, women weren't required to go to these uh, pilgrimages, but she went. That tells you the faith of Mary and Joseph went. And most of the time, a whole caravan of people went. So the neighbors, the friends, the cousin, everybody get together in Nazareth. They make the trek down. I don't have the map on there, do I? See what you got. Whoa. You have a map? No. Okay, hey, there you go. So so there's from Jerusalem all the way up to to Egypt over here by the Nile. That's where they made the trek. I mean, no, that's a pretty long trek. That's a pretty long trek for the family. And then, uh, you know, they didn't do an Uber. You know, they didn't take an Uber, call a cab. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yes. You think about the road to Jericho? Remember what happened on the road to Jericho? The Good Samaritan got beat up, robbed. So, So how many believe the protection of the Lord went with them? If the Lord sends you, how many know the grace of God will keep you? So the Lord sent them, and so he took care of it, brought them all the way back, returned from Egypt. They went here up to Gaza. So they didn't go by way of, of Samaria, okay? 
They didn't go up by way of Samaria. They could have went up the Jericho Road. Let's see if we have a picture of the Jericho Road. This is how wide the Jericho Road might have been. So like only two donkeys or two people can walk on the road. Yes, ma'am. It's not a whole lot wider now. No, when we went, this is about how wide and how mountainous and dry and arid, as as Nancy already said, this is the road to Jericho. So, <laughs> so in between these these, you can see how thieves could hide out over here. If you're coming down the road, you can't see around the corner, and they would they would uh, knock you in the head, take whatever you got. That's the the Good Samaritan story. Everybody with that? So I believe the Lord was with them. They they got back. <coughs> now they're making the trek. We don't have the map, but they went to Nazareth, went all the way back down to Nazareth. And now they're coming back that 80 miles from Nazareth back to Jerusalem. How old was, jo- uh, was, was Jesus? So we don't hear from him for five or six, seven years. Now he's 12 years old. Why do we know... Uh, why do you think the text tells us he's 12 years old when they went to the Passover to the temple? What would, re- what would be a good reason for Mary and Joseph to take Jesus at 12 years old to the temple? Bar Mitzvah. So at 12, <coughs> sorry guys, at 12 or 13, uh, I'll drink some water, but if the air, if the air could be put on, maybe it'd give me a little cool. It's as hot as blazes in here. Are y'all cold, freezing? No, I'm not either. Anyway, uh, bar mitzvah, when a a young Jewish boy made 12 or 13, that would be the time. It would be a great celebration. They would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and they would, and then they would have a big celebration where a young man, uh, a boy, comes into manhood. Okay? Comes into manhood. That's bar mitzvah. It happens for girls too, about the same age. So... So that's what was going. And when he was 12 years old, verse 42, they went to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know it. Just talk, talk to me. Anybody ever get left? Debbie, you ever get left anywhere? Uh, Debbie, <laughs> shall I tell him, Debbie? Shall I tell him? Uh, <laughs> uh, they were on a trip and she got left at the rest, at the rest stop and Brian took off and left his lady at the rest stop. I'm not going to tell you how many minutes or hours it was before he came back to get her. So it happens. What's that? The days before cell phones. She was sleeping in the back of the car and they went to the rest stop. Brian got out to use restroom. He didn't know Debbie got out to use restroom. So when he got back in, he thought she was still sleeping in the back and he took off down the interstate. Yes. I left Melissa at the church one time. So it's not a sin. I just want you to know Jesus was sinless and so was I, right? No, it was a sin to leave your wife. Anyway, um, Mary and Joseph was frantic. Wouldn't you be? Not many people. Hundreds of thousands of people at Passover. It's feast time. Population's 200,000. They got to be 500,000 people, half a million people in Jerusalem. Are y'all with me? 
So caravans went, a bunch of neighbors, they all had different cars. They all have different, you know, vehicles, <laughs> camels, right? Some had two humps, some only had one hump. But they were all there, and Jesus got caught up. Where was he at? So Joseph and Mary didn't know, but verse 44, supposing him to have been in the company. So Mary and Joseph thinks he went with Uncle Sal and Aunt Susie, and uh, Aunt Susie thought they was with uh, Jojo, and, and they all thought somebody was doing, who's got my kid, who's got my kid? That was what was happening. And they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So doesn't it tell you right there they were with relatives and acquaintances? There it is. So when they did not find him, verse 45, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, it, now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple. Three days, three, not a few hours, Deb, three days. So you, you know, redeem Brian, tell him he's okay. Um, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both, listen to this, both listening to them and asking them questions. In, in Jude, Jewish uh, tradition, the greatest form of discipleship is what they were doing. In fact, the greatest form of discipleship is what we're doing tonight, right here. Normally, there's not one person standing and talking, everybody just listening. Normally, they're listening, dialoguing, asking questions, going back and forth, making their point, telling their view, why they believe what they believe, right? And sometimes it can get very heated. Sometimes it could. They, didn't, they weren't arguing, they were just debating and could be... You know, very, very loud sometimes. Yes. <coughs> this is a form. Absolutely. Discipleship absolutely is a form of worship. We are learning the word of God together. How many came here for more than spaghetti and noodle? All four of you. So <laughs> it was good. Uh, so when they found him... Uh, he was asking and listening. And verse 47, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, Mary and Joseph saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, get yourself over here, boy. Now, let me read it right. Let me read it right. Here's what she said. So why have you done this to us? Look, 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 mira, mira. Your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Oh, mom, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, let me ask you, was he talking about Joseph? Was he talking about carpentering? No, his father owned a carpenter shop, right? He was talking about his father, God. And there is a 12-year-old lad. Mary knew it. Jesus knew it. Joseph knew it. But here for the first time is a voice. Here's a voice, a real voice, not an angelic voice, a voice of a 12-year-old boy saying, I am he. He's talking about his mission. He's talking about his relationship with his father. Do you see that? Now, how many read the text didn't get any of that? You, when you're reading the Bible, I hope this inspires you. I hope this inspires you, motivates you to look into the text Right? A good hermeneutic is to do eisegesis and exegesis. Exegesis is extrapolating from the text what the text is saying from them. Eisegesis is looking at it, seeing what's really going on, and not adding to it, 
but just kind of looking at the narrative to see what may be happening there. Maybe you look a little deeper, you'll understand a little deeper. Amen? <laughs> so that's what was going on. And, um, and they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. I think Mary pondered it in her heart, her heart a little bit. Uh, but, but verse 51 says they went down, back down, because when you go to Jerusalem, you're going up, right? You're going up. Now they're going back down the descent with them, down back to Nazareth. Uh, and look at this. Jesus was subject to them, and his mother kept all these things in her heart. It's the second time we hear that. She's pondering these things in her heart. And Jesus, what? Increased in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and with men. So we have a gap here. We have a long gap of time where we're looking at to see how can we look into the childhood of Jesus? Um, did Jesus make mud pies? Did Jesus, did Jesus play chase? I wonder if he was ever like never caught because he's Jesus. We know he never cheated, but I just wonder if he pulled a trump card, you know. Uh, you'll never catch me. I'm the son of the living God. I don't know. I'm just saying. Four things it says here in Luke uh, 2 and 52. He grew in wisdom. He grew, he grew in wisdom, okay? Not only godly wisdom, but his, but his word uh, he, he, he learned a lot from Joseph and Mary who knew a lot about the word of God. Let me tell you, parents, the greatest thing you'll ever teach your children. And aren't we glad to have kids here tonight? Come on. Come on now. This is wonderful. Give God praise. We have children in the house. And commend your parents. Bring in your children. Say, Pastor, it's a lot to get here. I understand. That's why we only did it four weeks. Okay? We know it's a lot. It's quite a sacrifice. But thank you for bringing them on Sunday night to Royal Rangers Mission Nets, you know, when they do that as well. We're trying to train up our children in the way they should go. Children's church and children's ministry is vital, right? He increased in wisdom. And he increased in stature. What does that mean? He grew physically. That little baby is now 12. Borderline mustache. <laughs> Did Jesus have a mustache, bro? He had a chew, like a like a no, oriental with a little um no, I don't know what he had, but but we do know he grew and we they you see the pictures of Jesus. Here's what a lot of people are doing in humanity. They're trying to make Jesus human. And they really want like to him to be their race. Can I tell you what race he was? Jewish. I know you want to make him Indian or you can make him uh, Native American or you can make him uh, Chinese, but I know he was Jewish. If you go to Israel and you go to the place where or they have all these pictures all around this building and they have Jesus in every country, he's Chinese Jesus, Japanese Jesus, American Jesus, right? They got Jesus in every country. And what they're trying to do is, is trying to, uh, and this is what scholars have tried to do for years. They're trying to make him so human that he's no longer divine. And what do other people try to do? They make him so divine that he has no understanding of us humans. But when I tell you Sunday, God knows, how many know God completely, ultimately knows? When Jesus became a, a human, 
last week, okay, 2,000 years ago, he, he understood not only in wisdom, but experientially. He was, he was brought into the world the way we all were brought into the world. Mary had a baby. Mary had a baby. And the baby went to be dedicated. And the baby got lost at 12 years old. He got lost. But he was, what was he doing in the temple? Well, he was definitely not lost. That's why he told his parents, I know exactly where I am. But, um, but he was 12 years old. So Mary and Joseph had a right to wonder where their 12 year old boy is. So he's still 100% boy. And he's 100% God. Yes, ma'am. No, not at all. In fact, they were conv- they were blown away by his wisdom and his understanding of the scriptures. It says, but he grew more and more and more. So when it, when the next verse says they went back to Nazareth and he kept on growing in wisdom and stature in favor with God and with man. That's where our uh, in his humanity, I would say so. Well, he, he, he voluntarily gave up all the supernatural, you understand? So he's, he's, he's walking in humanity so that he can totally, totally and completely relate to you and to me in our humanity. So that's why he knows he's 100% God and he's 100% boy. He's 100% boy. So I was being facetious about his mustache, but I don't know if he had facial hair, okay? And I don't know if he had long hair like they say when he when he came to got baptized by John. Yes, ma'am, and then we've got Phil. Absolutely. I think Joseph would have took him to the woodshed. And uh, and that's why uh, that's why he was obedient. Uh, he was obedient in the law, so they obeyed every bit of the law. And was it just logical or coincidental, or don't you think God providentially was making a way for Jesus to meet every righteous requirement of the law? And that's why he was with Simeon. And that's why he's in the temple. And that's why he did bar mitzvah. And that's why he's about to get baptized by John the Baptist. You see that? So none of this is accidental. Everybody with me so far? But he is growing bigger, taller, faster, wiser, in favor with God spiritually and favor with man socially. Yes, sir. Well, yes, they were blown away, the scripture says, right, Phil? So they were blown away by his knowledge. So let me say two things about that, Phil. One of it is, in his humanity, the knowledge comes from Joseph and Mary. You understand, he didn't go to rabbinical school. He's learning in the house. The synagogue was the place of the school and learning, education. Everything surrounded uh, the Jewish uh custom and traditions and the worship of Yahweh, everything. So Joseph and Mary's teaching everything in his humanity, 
he's already well advanced. By 12 years old, they know and can quote the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Are y'all with me? So they were blown away at his age to have so much information, so much knowledge about Yahweh God because we know 2,000 years later, what do we know? He is Yahweh God. He is Yahweh God. So how much of that uh, knowledge that, that he, that's why I say, did he, did he give him a little peek into his, his incredible infinite wisdom and knowledge? Not sure. But I know he was 100% God, 100% man at this moment. Yes, yes, ma'am. The Jewish boy at Bar Mitzvah, 12, 13 around, that would be the requirement. And they'd have to go to Passover three times. They had to go to three festivals a year in Jerusalem. Those are the requirements of the law. And Jesus knew it impeccable in the law. He was impeccable in the law. So Joseph and Mary made sure that he got there. Okay? They made sure as parents. How many thinks godly parents ought to make sure your kids get to the house of the Lord? Come on now. I done stopped teaching and went to preaching. I'm glad you're the choir. How many know you're the choir? You're here with your kids. But how many know it would pay off if you brought your kids to the house of the Lord? It would behoove you. It would benefit you. It would bless you. And the next generation would know the word of the Lord. So <coughs> I got that out of my system and I feel much better. So, um, and so Jesus advances in wisdom and in favor and in, uh, favor with God and with men. So it's, it blows me away. We get into chapter three. Uh, Jesus is asking questions and, and confine, blowing their minds, uh, about the information he already has about God and the law. And the righteous requirements of the law. Okay? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> they went where Bible says they went a day's journey, and then they had to come back a day's journey. There's two days. And then I don't know if three is significant, but I'll tell you what is significant. Where do you think Mary and Joseph went immediately upon returning to Jerusalem? They're wondering where Jesus is. Where do you think they went to look for him? In the temple. I don't think they wasted any time. I think Mary said, Joseph, let's check out the temple. I have a feeling that my son, he has two names, guys. One of his names is Emmanuel, supernatural God with us. The other name is Jesus, the anointed one. You understand? One in humanity. You know how many Jesuses there were in Jerusalem? As many as there are in El Salvador. Do you understand? It was a popular name. Except it was Joshua and not Jesus, right? And so, and so this is, this is what's going on. They went straight there, find out where he was, and they found him. And I'm not sure if they whipped him on the way home or if he just got, took his cell phone away. Not sure what happened. The point is we're so many times so far removed 
from the culture and the reality and the Jewish customs and traditions. We're so far removed from the language and the understanding of the, of the feast and, and the, what, the, what the scribes and Pharisees are doing at the, te- at the uh, temple anyway. So far removed, we have no idea. We read right across it and don't have any idea. So <coughs> let's go to the next thing that happens. John... I told you we didn't have time to deal with him. That's why I dealt with him a little bit before we got started. John the Baptist is the forerunner of Christ, right? And he came preaching repentance. The kingdom of God is at hand, right? And that's why God anointed him. He was anointed. He was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, from before birth, right? The Holy Spirit leaped in Elizabeth's womb. So, So here he is. God's call on his life is to prepare the way. For the Messiah. So he goes to that area of the Jordan. Remember in Perea on the, uh, the, in the wilderness, the desert part? He goes in there. What's John's diet? Locusts and wild honey. He's a part of the Essenes, right? He is a uh, part of the group that's in the wilderness trying to find, uh, solace and, uh, trying to, trying to be pure away from the scribes, away from the religious leaders, away from the hypocrites, the, the vipers, the brood of vipers, right? He's really not happy with the political scene in the church. Are y'all with me? He goes out there and he's preaching. They're preaching. So, so the prophet is preaching just like Elijah preached. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Get baptized. So they baptized. Now I want you to understand, John's baptism didn't, wasn't baptized into the body of Christ, right? Because Jesus hadn't even started his ministry. This is the precursor. They're doing the ceremonial baptism. They're doing baptism of repentance. So repent from your sins, Israel. Get right. The king of glory is coming. Are y'all seeing that? The, the Messiah is coming. Be ready. Prepare yourself for the one that's coming. And then all of a sudden, he's doing all these baptisms, right? And even the scribes, the Pharisees, they come out there to check him out. Because John, they want to see what kind of a troublemaker John was. I mean, no, he didn't last very long. They beheaded him. Are y'all with me yet? Okay, so, so just getting you up to the baptism of Jesus, John's baptizing all these people, and, um, and now he sees Jesus coming, right, again to the wilderness from Nazareth, and he's beginning his ministry right here. What else is he doing? Now he's 30 years old. Now he's 30 years old. How old was he last event? Now he's 30 years old, 18 years later. Are y'all with me? 18 years goes by in less than a chapter. In less than a chapter. Are you seeing that? So he comes there. John sees him coming. And John says, behold, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. He's been preaching that. He's been preparing them for that. He said his, his shoelaces, I can't even untie. For I baptize unto the repentance. My baptize, my baptism is different than his baptism. Are y'all with that? If you want to know the difference between John's baptism and Christ's baptism, Christ is coming to start his ministry to begin his life three and a half years on the earth in the anointed ministry of Messiah. So John says, here he comes. And he says, this is the one. And that's why in John, we visited a little while last week. John 1 1 or the beginning remember the the first lesson that John 
was the one who said, I am not the light. I'm only here to, to witness about the light, to tell you about the light. He's coming. So now he says, there he is. There he is, live in the flesh. Here comes the one. And he's going to baptize you with what? The Holy Ghost and fire. So salvation's going to come. This is a new era. This is a Messiah. This is the one we prophesied about. This is the one Elijah and everybody else has prophesied about. And here he is. So he asked John, Jesus asked John to baptize him. And and what does John say? I don't need to be baptized. You need to baptize me. I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me, right? And Jesus says, so that I might fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. I said that several times tonight. I just really need you to get this. I really want y'all to get this. Jesus gets baptized, not because he's in sin. Come on, y'all. He's sinless. He doesn't get baptized by John to wash the sin away. He got baptized by John to start his ministry. And what happens when he goes under the water? The heaven opens. The heavens open. Do you think everybody saw it? You think everybody heard it? Somebody heard it. Because they recorded it in the scriptures, right? (laughs) Somebody had to hear it. A heavens opened and a voice came out and said, This is my beloved son in who I'm well pleased. Now I want you to understand something. 18 years ago, he just made bar mitzvah. He's growing, he's learning, he's stretching. He's never done a miracle yet. Right? He's in the Jordan River. Is there anything significant about the Jordan River? Come on now. Have you ever heard of the Jordan River? This river has been split wide open, right? There's a lot of Israeli history in the Jordan River. And for such a time as this, now Jesus comes and starts his ministry and the heavens open and a voice says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. He was pleased before he ever started his ministry because God loved him. Not listen, he was God, but it teaches us that God doesn't love you because you do things. He loves you because you're his. We're not performance driven people, right? God loves us. So who had their hand up? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's where Elijah went up. And now John's there baptizing. So you have time to go back and do a study on John and Elijah and the contrasting. You will find that to be very interesting and it will lead you up until Jesus' baptism. So there we are. The heavens open. The voice says, this is my son who I'm very well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit, like a dove, uh, descends upon them. There's the Trinity right there in the Jordan River. And Jesus starts his ministry. Straightway he comes out of the water and he takes off from there. And where does Jesus go? To the wilderness. And who leads him there? The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. What's he doing? He's going to be tested, but what is he doing there? 40 days. He's fasting. He's fasting. He hasn't eaten anything in 40 days. So many times we study the scriptures, we don't get the context. 
Here's a hungry Jesus. In his humanity, he's hungry. And what does Satan do? He shows up, and the very first thing he offers the Lord of glory is is this temptation to turn these stones into bread. And Jesus is vulnerable, and he's very, very hungry. But the Spirit led him there. So I want to ask, is it... it, um, is it a sin to eat bread? Would it have been a sin to turn these stones into bread? Now, here's, here's what Satan was doing. Listen carefully. Satan was trying to get the Lord to do what it was not yet time for him to do, to go against the will of the Father. Jesus only did. Let me emphasize it. Jesus only did that which the Father told him to do. Well, he did. He was fasting. He's, he's talking to the Father. He's starting his ministry. He feels this fulfillment. He feels this baptism. He's right. The righteous, righteous, uh, the, the, the requirements of the law are all met up into the moment. Now he's starting his ministry. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you? Never start a ministry without being baptized. Not only in water, but in spirit. And so, so here he is. He's hungry. And he says to the, to the devil, man, what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So, so I know we can't dabble. I just want to, I just want to dabble with the conversation a little bit. Satan and Jesus's conversation. Say, Hey, you're Messiah. You're Messiah. You know, your father. What's wrong, with, what's wrong with turning this stone into bread? Your father poured bread from heaven, gave the Israelites manna. What's wrong with that? He's creator, you're creator. Turn this stone into bread. Feed yourself. That's the temptation. That's the temptation. And Jesus said, hey, you do not tell me what I need to do. Get thee behind me, devil. I get my instructions from the Lord. And yes, I can turn this stone into bread, but I have nothing to prove to you. And so I can hear Satan, it's not a sin to eat bread. How many know the devil has told a lie to this culture today? Go ahead. Go ahead. That's called temptation, folks. Go ahead. What's wrong with a little sip of wine or a toke of a, a hit of a little marijuana? What's wrong with that? Doesn't say you can't do this and you can't do that. How I many know oh, the devil is a tempter? He's a liar, a manipulator, and he's always trying to do you, get you to do something that is not the will of the Lord for your life. Even if it's, even if it's eating bread. Said, I'm not, I'm not giving you the pleasure devil remember what they said on the cross if you're the messiah won't you come down off the cross see he committed to the mission of god which is to go all the way in his humanity only anointed by the holy spirit he who was god right voluntarily gave it up it's called the kenosis they asked me last week at the end of the uh, at the end of the service last Wednesday, what, what was Jesus in his humanity or in his divinity? And could he, and could he, or did he, couldn't he? Are y'all with me? 
It's hard to, it's hard to grapple with, with the God man who is 100% God and 100% man. And so here's what the kenosis is. Philippians chapter two, that God emptied himself in Jesus emptied him. He who was equal with God, right? Who knew no sin, right? He emptied himself and became the form of a servant, you and me, so that he can prove to you and I how you can fight back against the enemy. You tell the devil, it is written. That's the authority of the word of God. And Jesus tells Satan, I have authority. Look at the next temptation. It's amazing as you look at the temptation of Christ here. First, you know, uh, the chapter 4, verse 1 of Luke, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit right after the baptism into the wilderness, being tempted 40 days by the devil. That didn't tell you, didn't, didn't even hesitate to tell you who it was tempting him. And in those days, he ate nothing. What did he eat? <clears throat> what did he eat? Nothing. Nothing in the Greek means nothing. Also in the Hebrew, nothing means nothing. And so afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. There it is. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. He only got his instructions from the father. Isn't that something? And that was his mission. And he knew it. In fact, did he not know the mission when he was in the temple at 12 years old? Come on, y'all. What did he tell Joseph and Mary? Mom, did you not know I must be about my father's business? So verse 5, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Wow. The devil said to him, verse 6, all this authority I will give you. Isn't the devil an idiot? He's telling the one who has all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. He's lying. He don't have authority to give it to him. Or did he? Remember last week we said the first Adam relinquished his authority by disobedience and gave it over to the enemy. But Jesus, the second Adam, came and beat the devil on the cross with his own blood and took back the authority. Right? He abolished sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Right? And so... All this authority I'll give to you and their glory and the, and their glory. For all of this, you'll get glory. For this has been delivered to me and now I give it to whoever I wish. Doesn't that sound like an arrogant devil? Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours, Jesus. Verse 8, and Jesus answered and said to him, get out of my face. Talk to the hand because the ears are not listening. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. But he was putting Satan in his place, wasn't he? Jesus was putting Satan in his place. You are a created being. You're on the authority of God. Back up. I am God. You have no authority and you have no glory and you can't give me any glory because you don't have anything to give me. Powerful stuff here. And then verse 9, then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. 
So I'm not sure if the text, uh, if they literally went to Jerusalem or if in their spirit, translation in the spirit, they went to Jerusalem. What do you think? I mean, uh, he's in the wilderness. Translated. So, so say when it says Satan took him to Jerusalem, he didn't leave the wilderness to go to Jerusalem and climb up to the temple. Right? I'm thinking this going on in the spirit realm. This is going on in the spiritual realm. Satan takes him and they go there in the spirit realm. And he says, Hey, he says, um, uh, if you, if you, um, are the son of God again, third time, third time, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. Now he's quoting scripture. Satan is quoting scripture from the Psalms. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest your foot, uh, dash your foot against a stone. Satan is manipulating, lying, and quoting scripture. And Jesus answered and said, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. My goodness. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, he is. Absolutely. Amen. And Jesus knew it. How many temptations do we have tonight from Jesus? To Jesus, from Satan? Three. How many times was Eve tempted in the garden three three and when it comes to temptation let's bring it home how many of you ever been tempted all three of us I'm sorry he didn't you might have missed that We. it was just a, a scenario in the Spirit. So no, no, Jesus wasn't taken anywhere by, by Satan. He just was going along. You know, there was just a dialogue conversation in the spiritual realm. Uh, and, and, and to help you a little further there, uh, Alberta, Satan has access into the throne room of God. You understand? He's a, he's a, he's a created being created by God and God gave him dominion over the power of the air. You understand? All right, so he he uh, he had went to the heavens and asked God, remember, if he can take care of Job, and God said, you know, I'll give you I'll give you a little opportunity, but uh, but don't touch him. Remember that? And then then he went a little further, said, don't take you know, don't take him, <laughs> you know. So so I believe there's a lot of activity just to take you there. There's a lot of activity going on in the spiritual realm that a lot of us don't read into the text or ever even understand. Yes, ma'am. Satan is not omnipresent, she said, and she's glad. How many glad Satan is not omnipresent? All right. But he is, but he is the power of the air. And so they went in their mind, in their spirit over there and, and you heard the outcome. Yes. No, no, that's right. But in the garden he did. How did he appear in the garden? An animal? A, <laughs> a reptile, a snake. Um, um, but the snake that stood on his feet and a snake that talked. How many snakes have you seen talking lately or standing on their feet? 
So the created order was different than it is now. Yes. Yeah, and then it, and then it says Satan left him for a season, but uh, it gives you very every every idea that Satan would come back at another later time. So when it comes to temptation, you and I also, Satan hits at the opportune moment. That's the first thing I want you to understand. Paul says, "Do not be ignorant of the Satan's devices and schemes." You need to know that there are vulnerable moments in our lives where Satan will show up. If he did it for the Lord Jesus Christ, how many know he'll do it to you and me? It's very real. And I think we can learn. And Satan is trying to tempt. It's clear. Uh, Jesus believed in the Bible. He teaches the reality of personal evil spirit called Satan, the adversary, the devil, the slanderer, accuser. And so evil is not just an impersonal force. The devil and the demons are angelic beings who rebelled against God are now are behind the evil in this world. How many believe there are real spiritual beings? I'm going to go too deep with the children, but there is activity going on in the evil world. Yes, sir. Satan, we said just a second ago, is not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at one time, but Jesus is. But in his humanity, he wasn't. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, it's expedient that I go away, right? But if I do not go away, I cannot send the spirit because Jesus could only be in Capernaum and then he could be over in Galilee and then he could be over here in Nazareth and then he could be in Egypt, but he was in his humanity and he didn't exercise his authority in his divinity because he came to prove a point. You can have the victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody ought to shout amen to that. And Jesus, and not only through the power of the Spirit, you can have it through the power of the, of the Word of God. It is written, Satan, get thee behind me. And then if you fast forward to the cross, what did he say on the cross? It is finished. I've finished my course. I've taken my mission. I have kept myself pure. I have fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. I have defeated death, sin, hell, and the grave so that you and me can have life. And more importantly, eternal life. And we can fight the enemy and have the word of God and the power of God through the Holy Spirit. That's what he's trying to help us with. I hope you're catching that. So what can we learn? Well, uh, we need to learn how to commune with the Father. How many know it's not a bad idea to fast? Fasting is uh, not just about food. Uh, you know, it would be a, a good idea for this generation to fast your electronic device. That's like asking for a million dollars. One day, one day without the phone is like a thousand years without the Lord. Hey, I just made that one up. We're not recording today, are we? Oh, we are. Oh, boy. Okay, great. Well, it reminds us, Moses spent 40 days without food and water on Mount Sinai. But how many know the Lord gave him a powerful encounter, right? Elijah went 40 days of strength without the strength of food given to him, the angel of Horeb, the mountain of God. Jesus' fast were miraculous events because no man can go 40 days without food or water, especially if he's physically active as Elijah was. 40 days, 40 days. So, 
Jesus was tempted over the duration of the 40 days. Chrissy, good. You, you made a good point. So it wasn't one day and he left him for 38. Over the duration of the 40 days, three temptations and a culmination of the period when his hunger became intense. When he got the most hungry, Satan, when he was the most vulnerable, that's when Satan came in. So, all right. The point is this, Satan hit Jesus with the temptation at the precise moment that Jesus was was hungry. And he'll do that to you and to me. So I, I want to challenge you tonight to know your weakness. It'd be a good idea that you don't learn your weaknesses from the enemy. Because I mean, oh, he'll play head games with you. Every time he speaks, he's saying we're all weak and we don't have any power. But how I many know oh, he's a liar, right? And so, uh, so make sure you understand uh, that that Satan is always. Uh, and then, and then also he he uh, he tries to promise pleasure. Um, but he doesn't mention the inevitable pain. I mean, no, that's another lie and temptation of Satan. Promises pleasure, but never tells you about the pain. And sin, when it comes in, let me tell you, it, it hits hard. And did you know that if you succumb to sin, so it's not a sin to be tempted. How many realize that? No, 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 really. How many realize it's not a sin to be tempted? James said, sin, when it's fully mature, brings forth death. He said, when you're drawn about, right, when you're drawn away, when you're going into it, giving into the temptation, that's when sin overcomes you, right? But sin is, is, is part of all of our lives, and we have to resist the enemy. Yes. And he did it in his humanity. And the point is, Nancy, he did that in his humanity through the power of the Spirit, which is why the Spirit led him, which is why the baptism was so important. Are you, are you following that? The Holy Spirit came upon him. All right? Now, Jesus was like a prophet. The Holy Spirit came upon him. But, but, but for us, how many know the Holy Spirit didn't just come upon us? The Holy Spirit resides in us. So to talk about his omnipresence, as y'all too mentioned, yeah, Jesus said, I got to go away, but it's important because if I don't go away, then I'm limited in my humanity. But if I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit and then my spirit will be in you. Now I remove all limitations. You and your humanity, me and my humanity are limited, but us in our Holy Spirit empowerment, how many know we are unlimited? Unlimited. The power of God resides in you and me. That's the point. And so Satan tries to get us to meet legitimate needs and goals in illegitimate ways. Hunger is legitimate need. But for Jesus to use his power independently of the Father to meet his need would have been wrong. Are you seeing that? You asked that question last week. So he wanted to, he wanted to obey, only obey the word of the Lord. So we have the Bible. Jesus had constant conversation with his father. There was no New Testament Bible, right? Although he had the Old Testament, 
They had the Old Testament. He knew the law, the prophets. He knew all of that. Of course, he was the word. I want y'all to see this. It was the word speaking the word. It was life telling life to happen. <laughs> it, it boggles my mind. As, as Jesus was, Mary's feeding Jesus. So Jesus is, 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 is drinking the very milk he spoke into existence. Jesus is dependent upon the very woman he created. Jesus is, is, his toes are in the mud of the Jordan that he spoke into existence. He's, he's, he's surrendering to the humanity, limiting himself intentionally, voluntarily, giving up being God so that you and I can have an understanding of a real high priest who's touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He wants to really be our high priest, not just legitimately through Aaron's priestly line. Uh, you understand, but he is the heavenly high priest. And that's why Hebrews is my favorite book of the Bible. So everything you see in the Old Testament, he is in the new. For God, who at sundry times and, and in diverse places, spoken times past through the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us through his son. Is anybody here thankful for Jesus? Come on now, anybody here love Jesus? Put your hands in the air. Let's just give him love. Let's give him praise. Let's thank him. Thank him for his, for his incarnation, for his, for his, for his wisdom, for his bar mitzvah. Let's thank him for his divine ways and his human way. Let's thank you for the baptism, for the, for the overcoming spirit in the, in the, in the temptation, for not succumbing to the enemy, throwing himself off the pinnacle of the temple and trusting God to spare him from injury sounds like a great display of faith, which is a good thing, but actually it would have been a presumption, which is sin. There's a difference between faith and presumption. In his humanity, in his humanity, he'd thrown himself off the temple. Can I ask you what happened to you if you threw yourself off the temple? Hello. In your humanity, you're not going to grow little bitty wings, are you? And fly off, are you? Say, well, well, God could do it. But listen, he was telling Satan, you're not the authority in my life. I'm not going to presume. I'm in my humanity. I'm going to only do what the master, my father says. And you know, you know what you and I ought to do? Only that which the Holy Spirit and Jesus speaks. We should only do what the word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and Jesus and the father say to do. And if we did, how many know we'd resist temptation a whole lot? Jesus was sin sinless. Sinless. Wow. Well, I think I'm going to stop here.